As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Jordan. How are you? Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. How can I not have one of my friends? Love it. All right. So as always, I like to start off talking about how I met my guest. And for us, it was Rio. Except for me, everything is kind of a blur. So I don't like remember the fine details of everything. But I do remember connecting, especially well with the fencing team. Just like you guys had a great vibe. You, Daryl, Miles, like all of those guys um, had a very cool vibe. And even like in the past, like because of knowing Daryl, like spending time at the OTC, I've got a chance to meet like Eli, Molly, all of these amazing athletes. I'm like, damn, I really like the fencing team. Like you guys are all so different. Completely um, different. So different. And but that that varying degree of character, like, is really interesting. It's, in wrestling, you don't really have that. Oh, interesting. Very similar. Uh, Why do you think that is? That's a good question. I think because most wrestlers are working class, we all come from like the same. Oh, you know, that makes sense. Small towns, we went to schools in the Midwest. Like you guys grew up in the city. It's a little more prestigious sport. Like the schools that you go to are a little different. So your experiences and how you view the world are a little different, a little more hip. But it's also different. Like there are people that are from the upper class, and then there's people that are not in the work like upper class like i i struggled as a kid whatever in, in uh, money but there's people that are like filthy rich doing this sport so yeah. that probably also like brings an element into it still a certain level of sophistication yeah all sensors have no matter where you're from yeah it's just a very classy sport yeah i like wrestling is like it's, it's just a grind it's a battle it's right like, I can't read or write, but I can press. Right. It's, it's, it's different. Yeah, that's true. It is, it is more of a thinking sport and strategy and all that stuff. So that definitely, yeah, it is different. Interesting. I never, I never really asked about like what someone thought of like the fencing community on the outside. So it's, it's interesting to really hear that. Yeah, you guys are cool. Guys are cool. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you think that. I just remember everybody talking about meeting you. And I know you from Jersey because I remember like telling somebody I qualified. They're like, oh my God, do you know Jordan Burroughs? I was like, no, I never met him, whatever. So then when I heard they were all talking to you, I was like, what? How can I, how am I not running into the Jersey in? Yeah, yeah, we're good. I love spending time. We happen to like, cool. we were chained at the same facility. I think yeah. both at Lemire, we were catching the shuttles back and forth so we got to connect a few days it was fun. so that's yep so it's i love that we were able to connect and stay friends through all the years yeah, and then before we get into the bulk of this whole conversation you obviously went to london and you went into rio and now obviously tokyo we're not there but we hear it's also very different can you talk about the differences that you saw between the london games and the rio games yeah so i would say the primary difference was there was no controversy surrounding like it was almost the last perfect games. 
it was the village was done in an orderly fashion. All of the venues were on point. The railway system, transportation were great. Safety was not an issue. And it was just in a great city. Rio was a great city as well, but things were far apart. It was long traveling distances between venues. I remember when we were on our way there, they were like, man, this place is not even done. The U.S. delegation had to send contractors in the village. Zika was an issue. People were afraid of you know, getting this virus from mosquitoes in the area. And ultimately, they had displaced a lot of local residents in Rio in order to build these banks. There was just a ton of just like distrust for the government corruption, all of these issues that were at hand at the time. So it just kind of marred the event a little bit for us because we want to be in a place where we feel welcome and we feel wanted. Right. Europe, wrestling's huge. I'm sure fencing's huge. Same. Yep. So, but not in South America, right? No one cares about wrestling in South America. So our venue was relatively empty, but there weren't a ton of fans there. When London, the opposite, it was packed, it was sold out, you couldn't get tickets there. So it's, it's, it was different. It was different. And now in Tokyo, they have no fans. Right. So we're like, you were training the wrong way, right? We're going backwards. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a bummer because wrestling's huge in Japan professional wrestling, sumo wrestling, and then what we do, freestyle and Greco-Roman wrestling. So I was hoping that this would be the year that would really showcase our sport. And now it's kind of a bummer the way things have transpired. But hopefully with the Olympic Games being in Paris, another major city next year, or excuse me, in 2024, it's will be on point. And then if not, so uh, LA in 2028 for sure. I got to imagine that that would be a good You would hope. But I heard from across the bar for all the sports in Brazil, they were struggling to sell out stadiums, which makes sense. I mean, you know, they it's not a wealthy country, so people struggle to make ends meet on a regular basis. So why is someone going to be spending money to be going to an Olympics? That makes sense. But I heard London lost an absurd amount of money hosting theirs. I won't want to anymore. But, yeah, I mean, I also understand as well, like after this pandemic, like Japan lost so much money. It was such a headache for them. No one in Japan, when they were voting, I think like 90% of the population doesn't even want, like didn't want London to happen. They're protesting outside. So, I mean, I get it. I understand. So I, w- I just saw Australia, Brisbane, Australia got the bid for 2032. Oh, wow. With, with no competitors. Like they said, no one else wanted it. They got it. Primarily because they were the only country and city wow. that hosted games. It's just such a, a drain on the economy area, which you would think it would be the opposite, right? Like, but I think you got to build so much infrastructure. That's why LA is going to be special because they're like, we're going to be efficient here. We already have a venue, we got a big transportation, transportation system, excuse me. We got a major airport. Like, we're ready and prepared to facilitate at least logistically something like this. But We'll see. It always seems a lot easier when you get the bid than when you're, you know, right. tasked with actually prepping for like 10 million people. Right. Like, so it'll be interesting to see how they... How they- um, but I heard that LA was the only Olympics that did have some kind of profit in general. Like, they said that when they did it last time, they were like, we're not building any additional buildings. We do not need that. We're going to make everything work. So now that they absolutely have everything, they've done Olympics, I'm really curious to see what they can create and how they can profit even more. Yeah, it'll be Yeah, Rio was kind of a mess with transportation. Getting to the Team USA house, a mess. So far. And like we had a bunch of events there. Exactly. Some sponsors I had were like I was with Ralph Lauren and I was with Hershey's and Giovanni. So they wanted to all link and do these events at the USA house. We were staying at Lonier, so we're like over an hour away. And yep. It, was, it wasn't pleasant to 
like try to get there, be back, train. But we had to leave like freaking two and a half hours in advance to get to it. Right. Because God forbid you weren't on Team USA or like Olympic transportation. You were sitting in that traffic. If you were not in the Olympic lane, good luck getting anywhere. I was, I went to Sugarloaf and I spent four hours in the car to get back. And it's like a 45 minute drive. Yeah, that's it. I remember, I remember vividly and no one wanted to leave. No one wanted to leave. Like, yo, let's go out. Let's explore the city. You're like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Too much traffic. Yeah, such a pain. And then also how dangerous it was. I mean, I didn't have any bad experiences, but I heard some people were um, were driven through favelas. Um, some people were getting pickpocketed. So I was really grateful that I didn't have that situation. Did you have anything crazy happen? No, I did not. But I heard some stories of some people getting mugged and stolen from Yikes. Well, at least we got lucky. <laughs> so what I want to talk about was winning Olympic medals. Obviously, not everybody gets to have that experience, let alone not everybody gets to be an Olympian. So for you, so obviously, so there are situations where, you know, you are the favorite. Everybody expects that you're up there. Um, what was the situation for you? Were you expected to win the medal? Were you? Was it a surprise for you? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because you know, kind of juxtaposing two Olympics for me. I was the favorite in both. One, I was the champ. The other, I wasn't. I had won the world championship the year before both of my Olympics. 2011, I was a world champ. 2015, I was a world champ. So there was big expectations going for me into the event. But in 2012, I think it was my first Olympics. I almost feel like, and we'll, we can kind of get into this later, we just talk about the small bios and the situation now. So I'm a primary focus for athletes. Like I, we've always dealt with it, but now I feel like people are more willing to talk about it and be susceptible to it. I think it, there was stigma surrounding it for such a long time. It's like, you give in to this pressure, this expectation. But I think in my going into 2012, it was my very first Olympic game. So even though there were expectations, they were still relatively low because my first time, let's see what I can do here. I kind of leave, you're oblivious to like what this actually is. You're like, damn, this is just so much fun. All these people are around, they'll watch me. Let's let's go, let's go for it. Yeah, you have like those little distractions to keep you from like really overthinking everything. But yeah. 16, I'm the opposite, right? So now I'm overthinking everything. I'm like, man, it's huge. It's big. If I do this, like, I'm the only the second person ever to do this. Like this is gonna change my life forever. And so there's so many different things that you're thinking in comparison to the first time. And it's it's just it can be overwhelming. And my, my performance reflected right. and that Simone's probably would have reflected that had she made the decision to compete. So, you know, it's it's a tricky position that we put ourselves to be heavily scrutinized by the public because we love to be admired, love to be praised. We also have a difficult time receiving the scrutiny, destructive criticism, and just being, you know, kind of living life under the microscope. Like when you win, you win big. When you fail, you fail and everyone's watching. Um, so that's kind of a difficult position to be in um, as an athlete. I think that we all have our different ways of handling those situations that we have to confront. But I respect everyone for how they handle it. And I think it's all about personal preference. I've been in some dark places after some big losses and been really excited after some big wins. But I also know that in this time period is where you figure out who's truly on your team and a lot of self-reflection and yep. to you know, reconsider everything, whether it's mental health, how do, you, how do you operate there? I think a lot of us, we don't really refine ourselves from a mental awareness space. It's more just like physical performance. Ruling training that naturally you have to be really mentally tough to get through this stuff. So, like, oh, well, if you went through five week training camp, 
twice a day and have to just be really tough, you know, but it's like some people can carry a load and a, a burden of training, but also there's no pressure. You can't replicate anxiety and training. It's just, it's not the same. So really the only time we feel this big pressure is on once every four years for this short period of time in the short pocket. And every other time we're just relieved and we're relaxed. And so it can be, it can be overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, you nailed it with everything that you said. I do agree that people are now are actually like willing to talk about it. And I, I think it's, I think times have changed a little bit. I think people are slowly starting to understand that we are real human beings and not just like these robotic machines with no feelings and that like we go out and like this is all easy for us. And I think like these Olympic Games are showing that because we are, I think all the athletes are, I don't want to say the word weaker, but like it's definitely a lot harder being there without your friends and family. Like that is our support system. And like, I think that is even more important for us, like at the Olympic games than ever before, because there is so much pressure and it is so different. And like, I don't know, for fencing, we don't, nobody ever cares about our events when it's not Olympic times. Like no one even like, no one knows we have world championships. No one knows we have competitions. Like that's it. So for us, like when it was at the Olympics, like I remember when we were competing for bronze, like there was cameras in my face. And I just remember like looking like, why do these people care? Like what is going on? So it's definitely an additional thing, but uh, I think the pandemic and the situation that it is in the Olympics now is kind of highlighting the struggles that we have because we don't have our support st- support system there with us at the actual competition. So I think you're seeing people's reactions more so now than ever before. So I think that's kind of interesting for the public to be seeing. And like me as an Olympian, like watching, I'm like, wait, I don't remember seeing people like as many people like break down and like actually have all these emotions. I think we do usually seem more emotionless because we have that support system with us. And we're isolated too. Like it's it's a different period now with COVID where like if you were feeling pressure, you could just take a walk through the Olympic Village. You could go and meet with some of your buddies. You could go hang out at the mall to a movie, whatever the case, you can do so many different things. Right. Now you're kind of like stuck in your room. All you have is the internet and you're probably following all the Olympic accounts, following all the other events. You're seeing your friends have terrible performance. You're seeing some of your other friends have great performances that you want to try to replicate. People are talking about you. You know, people are calling you to go. And like, so it's, it's just a very difficult place that you're in where you're just consistent seeing all of these things about your competition. Like I'm a type of guy that I don't like to think about competing until it's time. Same. I'm the same exact way. So I understand. Family, I want kids, my wife to be around. And I want to just kind of play games, have a good time and just enjoy the moment. And when it's go time, then I'll die. Yep. Focus. But other than that, now you have no choice but to tap in. You're just sitting twiddling your thumbs in the hotel room because you can't interact with anyone because of protocol. So it's tough. Yeah, no, it's very different. I like if I were to not make an Olympic team, this is the one I wouldn't want to be making. Even though at the same time, I'm like, I wish I had the challenge as you know, as an athlete, it's like, well, I wonder how I would handle it. I want to see it. I still still want yeah, yeah, but it's it is interesting of um of just seeing that aspect, and, I, and I'm glad kind of the public is seeing that because it is an additional level, and we are all humans, and and having an Olympics is just a different animal than anything else I've ever experienced, and coming into it at, for the first time, I mean, it can I obviously can go one of two ways of you choke and 
and you don't perform or you're just so like, I don't really know what's going on. Like I'm going to run around and just do what I need to be doing and have fun. But it's definitely true that the older that I get, the more I overthink every single competition and I factor in all of the elements and I have so many more what ifs. When I was younger, like my first year on the senior circuit, I was killing everybody. I didn't care who was who. Like somebody would be like, oh, they're like Olympic, like bronze medalists from like whatever, six months ago. I was like, I don't know what that means. Whatever. They haven't fought yet. Right. I was like, yeah, cool. The only reason why this person won is because I'm not there or I wasn't there. Right. Yeah. Golly. Like hindsight's always 2020. How many events, competitions that in the moment, it just, the weight's so heavy and you're like, oh my goodness, I wish I could just be anywhere but here right now. I have to like constantly remind myself I chose to be here. I wanted this. I trained for this. I'm so glad you said that because again, like we kind of don't really talk about that. Like a lot of people, I don't know. I feel like people have a hard time admitting to things like this, but I feel that way so often. And I'm like, wait, why am I still doing this? Am I hating this? And I'm like, right. no, I wanted to do this. So I'm so glad somebody else has said that. And I know I'm not alone. You gotta remind yourself. There's some days where like I'm in the tunnel and I'm like, like this is so freaking scary like it's almost like being at the top of or let's envision like and i've never skydived but i can imagine you know the pilot opens up that door and you're just kind of staring out at the edge of the world gotta jump out of this plane like, yep you paid your money you got suited up you got strapped to you know the trained chest you know so like you're prepped for this you wanted this you drove here this morning you were all excited it's easy to say you want to do it when you're at the coffee shop right, morning, right? or when you're at practice in brooklyn and you're comfy you got your dogs with you and you're hanging yeah. out you know that you're gonna go have a nice fancy latte after practice but yeah. you're in the tunnel and there's a russian standing next to you and they're about to call your name in two minutes from now to see the stage and the, you know, the match before you is just ended and you know that you're next. There's there's nothing like that experience. It's so scary. It's so yep. scary, but it's uh I mean it's it's also thrilling. I think that's why we do it. So we're trying to find that balance do I still want this? Because it's finding the, the balance between excitement and fear is is a difficult balance. And I think uh, I was talking to one of my buddies, he was like, There's no such thing as being fearless. It's like everyone has fear, everyone yep. has anxiety, pressure, expectation, butterflies, nervousness. He was like, But there's courage. Yep. Like, so you never not be afraid, but you can be more courageous. You can be more brave. You can be willing to go out there and not sabotage your performance based on what you're feeling. You have to control your emotions. Separate and detach your mind from your emotions and your emotions from your performance and really so it's a crazy, crazy task that we that we take on. It's it's way more than physical. People ask how much is mental, how much is physical. It's all mental. Yeah. So many people who I think of all the athletes that you grew up around that were so gifted that no one knows, no one's ever heard of. Right. Yep. They have the mental fortitude to stay disciplined, to make sacrifices, to take on the workload, and and everyone forgot about it. Right. Um, it's 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 a it's a tough task. That's why we are who we are. That's why yeah. we're verified, and that's why we're in Exactly. And people want to hear from us. Yeah. So it's also, I love that you said that because I was like one of the first things that I hated hearing from any sports psych of like, well, don't be nervous. I was like, why are we saying that? Like, how do you want me to say like, oh, oh, I can't be nervous. And then at my sports psych, 
like one of our first few conversations, he's like, no, screw that. You're going to be nervous. And he's like, because it means that you care. And he's like, you think the girl in front of you isn't nervous? And he's like, you're all nervous. He's like, take that out of the equation. When you feel that coming, just be like, ah, there it is. Like, this is normal. I'm out here. I'm competing. I'm ready. But I mean, when people are like, yeah, no, I just wasn't nervous. I'm like, yeah, BS. Like, we're, you're full of shit. There's no way you can't be nervous. Again, if you care, I get if you're not training and you just show up to a competition because you're like, ah, let's see what happens. <laughs> vibe but if you're out there training hustling putting in the money putting in the time like saying no to events not spending time with your friends or family you're out there you're nervous you care obviously yeah for sure and then another thing where you were saying of like you know am i still excited am i still disappointed like when should i be you know should i still be doing this i was talking to Lindsay vaughn about this and i think this is like a huge reason why some people will stay longer than they should but it's an addiction i'm a hundred percent addicted to like going to competitions like that victory and I live for that that feeling and I think it's different in like combat sports because you're in there like it is you making those decisions yes of course you, you can't do it without a team like if you didn't have your friends and family you didn't have your coach you didn't have your training partners of course you can't do it but it's still ultimately ultimately you in those moments making those decisions making those calls and when you win there I have not found anything that comes remotely close to how I feel after a win regardless how big or small but like the bigger obviously the more adrenaline and and feeling that I'm having but nothing compares to that yeah that's special that's special like I mean that's why we do it that's yeah why, outside of all the external um, motivators all the cool stuff that you get from being a competitor at a high level big stuff that feeling of satisfaction that you get from breaking your opponent's will getting your hand raised it's there's nothing more like so no. I think that's the pursuit that's the chase is that we always feel that and particularly because as and I talked about this a few weeks ago with someone and most people at our age are transitioning to what they're going to do for the rest of their lives right, right. we transition out of what we've done our entire lives Yep. Such a different position that we're in as early 30s, done our sports since we were kids, learned to love it so much. We're in this phase where sometimes I think with Tim, is there anything I'll ever love as much as wrestling? Yep. As much Feel as that. like the buzz when I walk into the arena, all eyeballs turn to whatever mat that I'm on. I want to see me, I want to see what I have, what I'm capable of. Do I still have hands? You know, I think there's other ways that you can find victory and other things, but. They never say so. I think that's why we stick around. Yep. This is this is what we've known. This is what we're best at. Like, there's one thing in the world that's saying, "What are you best at? Wrestling?" Yeah. Not a single question about it. So I want to do this as absolutely as long as I can. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. And it's and it's. I mean, it's obviously very very difficult, and so many people struggle. You know, when they do finally decide to leave. Yep. But like, I mean, we are the best at what we at this. Like, and then we're, we retire and we go off into the big world where, I mean, it'll always be cool to people, but they're like, all right, cool. You did that. But like, what are you going to do next? And you go out and you're like, wait, I'm kind of just, I feel like I'm in kindergarten again. And everybody else is like a senior in high school and no one really just cares about what I've done. So it's like. Yeah, it's over. It's not over. Right? We'll always be respectful. But like, That's done, how it feels. Yeah. It, it, you, you never have the same amount of, uh, of pool of significance, or at least within your sport. As you yeah. So there's, always, there's always someone new. Right. There's, there's someone out there. There's some 14-year-old girl out there in some part of the city that you've never heard of that is practicing right now. Yeah. That's been the Olympics 10 years from now, and everyone's like, oh my goodness, she's the next yeah you hear that all the time um and so i think and as cool as you will be like but oh gb yeah he's a piece back in the state but that's new kid. Yep. It's awesome so like you know i think you try to write your place in history as much as you can and then after 
we do as much cool stuff. I always have the, the thought process that my best days are still ahead of me, whatever that looks like. So whether that's winning more championships in sport wrestling, whether that's going on to coach someone else to do that, that's leading my kids to a path of success in athletics, whatever they try to choose to to pursue. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, every 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 person has a season, so which victory will occur, and I think that there's victories and other things outside of just the craft that we originally chose. But it's, yeah. it's not easy. It's not right. easy. It's like give it up. It's, you always feel tied to it. Like, man, I can what I was, you know. But it's also different because people are on their couches doing the same thing, but they they can't do that. But we actually have a chance. Yeah, the critics are like, yeah, they can't do it. That's why they talk about it, you know. Right, but it's no, it's. I'm glad you have that healthy mentality, which like I'm not surprised by, but because it it is difficult as we're saying. But having that outlook of again, it's not going to be the same thing that we're doing. But you know, I always have to remember that we did accomplish what we did accomplish, and that's not everybody gets to do that. And now we get to move on to in the world and we have new challenges that we're going to face tackle the same way. Like my thing is always like, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how difficult it is, I'm like, can't be as difficult as walking out on the Olympic stage to win a medal. And I was, I was an alternate. So I hadn't competed the entire day. And the first time that I went out was during the bronze medal match. Ridiculous. (laughs) So if I could handle that, I don't even care what the world throws at me. I can do anything. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's incredible. And that takes a lot of like, Yeah, I mean, it was awesome at first because I kind of, of what we're saying of like, we don't really understand it. We don't think about it. So at least for me, when I was going out, when they told me beforehand that like the coach was like, well, you're going to go out and you're going to fence. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. And he's like, no, but like warm up really well and be ready. And that's kind of, I was like, are we sure that I want to do this? Are we sure that I want to fence? Like maybe I shouldn't be fencing. But then I was like, no, 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 no. Like we need to reconfigure all this. And then I kind of just decided of, I have one match and I just need to go win that match as fast as I can. So I don't understand what's going on around me. The quicker I'm out of there, the better for me and everybody else. And I was like, so, you know, you, you go through and you try to normalize it as best as you can in this new environment of like, okay, I fenced this girl before. Like the only difference here is that everybody's watching. We're not going to really think about how many more people are watching than normal. So I went out and I was, I was doing it. I was winning. I think I was up for one. And then one of my cords snapped. So then, I mean, it feels like they were working on me for like 40 minutes, Yeah. but they came over to fix it. And I think it was like two seconds. And in that time frame, time slowed down. Mm-hmm. And I looked around the venue. And I was like, holy shit, I'm at the Olympics. Yeah, Cameras everywhere. Everybody's watching me. What if I blow this? Oh my God. And then I went back out and I lost like, se- we had a lead. Thank god but i lost like seven points and i just needed one at that point like everyone was screaming like just one more and i was like you're right you're right you're right like let's slow this down i need one more point let me get off yeah especially you guys are a lot like us like your practices are like isolation yeah it's like sometimes it's just you on the strip with another partner and and empty maybe um in some grungy basement or you know singular room so that's how it is for us so when there's a big crowd you kind of try to put yourself just in this like nothing outside of the circle happens but when you have those moments for us whether it's injury time or blood time or something just kind of peer around the crowd and you see all the cameras and it's like damn this is this is big time I yeah i mean we you also train at athletic club right so you're in the same facility or same room as fencing is anyway I've seen those guys. 
there a bunch of times. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there a few times, but that's not my fencing club. All right. So walk us through the day that you won the Olympics of, you know, like what your thoughts were, what you remember. I mean, I'm sure like me, you remember every detail. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good day. I think at that time I was still so young, so I really didn't feel, or I, I felt I, I was nervous. I was like shaking nervous. Before right. Sorry. But once you get that first match under your belt, like you feel good about the direction momentum you have going Luckily I had a relatively good draw, so I had Puerto Rico my first match. Okay, Puerto Rico's decent, but I was named Puerto Rico. So it was a good warm-up match for me. Went out, was dominant. My next match I had Canada, a guy who was who was solid. I watched him wrestle growing up as a kid. He was two years older than I was. And I beat him, but then in the semifinals, I had the Russian. The Russian was a two-time world champion, and I had beaten him in the world championships a year before, so he had waited the entire year to get the chance back. And we were the very, so our match was so long that we were the very last match of the round. Got so it. everyone in the arena was sticking around to watch our match, and we were the only, so there's typically three matches for us all at the same time, but because our match was a battle back and forth and went all three rounds last match of that uh, actual session. Um, so you had all eyes on you. All eyes on us. Those are the scariest. We have the same thing when it comes to fencing. We have like four matches at the time and when you're the last match like starting or like even the last one finishing everybody is there. I, I remember all those moments and of like turn you're like fencing or like in the zone you're kind of turning around and you're like oh shit. <laughs> um, but it was, it was good. So I remember that and won a really close match against him. And I remember after that, knowing that I was going to the finals uh, was like so cool. So he was the hardest guy in all weight. So I knew if I could beat him, I could beat anyone. So when I beat him, I was like, I'm in the finals of the Olympics. I'm going for a gold medal later today. Can I get time to refocus? You know, right. like, when you've got to do something right away. Like sometimes I'm like overthinking it, but I knew I could go back to my hotel, I could shower, I relax, and I could, you know, kind of, Ease my mind as I was going to my own feel a lot better. So I remember getting back to the arena and there was, I started feeling like amplified pressure. I'm like, there's a big difference between a gold and a silver. You know, I'm like, I, I want this gold medal though. Like, I want that gold medal. And then luckily, the guy I was wrestling in the final was the same guy that had beaten the final of the world championships before. Um, so I like, I, I knew I should you know, um, The coolest part for me was. After I won, going, I remember going in the back. So I ran up to the stands, hugged my fan, ran back down, did an interview, and then you go in the back and you really put your podium outfit on. And so you're putting, I, I don't know if you remember back in 2012, the podium outfit was like this orange, like Carhartt jacket. Like yeah. And so I'm in a full sweat, literally five minutes after my match. I'm like trying to put these jeans on, get my podium outfit on. I run out, get on the podium, and I had never even seen a Olympic gold medal until right. I final. Uh, and so that was pretty. And then you just go, I remember afterwards, they're like, okay, well, what do you want? And my wife now, Lauren, who's just my girlfriend at the time, you know, I'm like, she's like, okay, I'll stay back. You just take your mom and your sister. So my mom and sister came back into like the whole world. How my was it only shows that night. yeah it was it was really it was really special um, yeah it was a fun day it's really nice seeing your eyes light up when you go back into that moment yeah i was, think that happens to all of us it's like 
there's nothing like it. Like you say, when you put so much work in and it actually works out, like there's so many days now. And, and at that time I had never lost on the senior level. Like I was still on the, on the senior level now, you know, 10 years later, like I've lost a lot and I've lost in really big moments. So, you know, you felt both at that point. You're just like, I don't even know what losing feels like. So I never want to experience it. And I may never if I keep competing. But now you just felt that, well, not necessarily a walk of shame, but like that just lonely, dark walk leaving and freaking sneak up the Yeah, it's, like, it's such a different feeling. And then like understanding both of them is just wild. Like now, I don't, I don't know if I ever stop to think about the difference in them and how it feels. Like you just feel it and you're like, I'm the worst. I hate my life. Like how could I lost whatever? I'm such an embarrassment. Everybody hates me. But like, I never stopped to think about how polar opposite. It all, all of, it's a one second thing for you. Yep. you right. Let's say you're tied up and the last person that scored wins. Is, is that possible? Or do you have to fight? Yeah. So last person that scores wins and you get her and like, you're all like, you're, like you're so happy you're the champ everyone loves you or she gets you and then all of a sudden the rest everything changes it's like one millisecond of a difference singular like moments yeah it's wild that that's how we define ourselves it's like there's really no difference between winning and losing except the way that people treat yep. because there's sometimes like there's been some times where you like you really perform well and you leave it all out there and you're exhausted and you think what you felt were the right way, but someone just had a better day than you. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's quite possible, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of questions. So it's a tough place to be. Yeah, I kind of hate those days the most because I want to always know how I can improve. So when I'm like, no, I did, like I made the right decisions, like I felt really good, but like there was just nothing I can do in like today to beat her like she literally had an answer for everything that i was doing and like i don't know even like how much more different i could have really been because like my ideas were were good and they were the right decisions but but like it didn't work so i'm like what what do i do differently like how can i improve i need something so i just like walk around to everybody i'm like if you were me what would you change people are like no you did great i'm like damn it like this is the last thing that i want right now if i did everything great why am i not winning but like obviously other people are part of the factor so you need like some sort of like stable reason to consciously cling to so you can get through this moment. Yeah. There's never a time where you're like, oh, this person is better. You can't accept that. Like as a competitor, you can't just like accept it. Nope. No, no one's better than me. Nope. Yep. I can't be and so if I lost, it wasn't because they did something right, it was because I had to have done something. Mm-hmm. So I need to know. And the crazy part is like a lot of times when you lose, how'd you feel today? And even if you felt great, you're like, uh, I don't know, like, I guess not great because if I would have felt great, I would have won. Right. So it's like a, it's a weird, weird. No, it's, it's always so funny. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to start the podcast of like talking. Cause again, people look at us like we're emotionless animals and especially like now, you know, the situation where we didn't qualify, we're here, everybody's out there competing. We know what it's like. We obviously wish we were out there. Um, and I've announced it that I'm not there. And I announced that I don't want to talk about it, but people still are like, oh, I know like the Olympic conversation off the table, but like watching the Olympics, what do you think? I'm like, I just, I told you, I don't want to talk about it. Obviously it's difficult. Like, how do you like to us, it feels like a failure, you know, at least initially, then we obviously like have understanding it to it, but it doesn't feel good. And people are like, still like, oh, she's over it. It doesn't really matter. But nobody really realizes that 
we're human beings. And I explained to him like, no, like this, this stings like permanently. And it's my driving force for the next one. But like, it doesn't mean that I want to be talking to random people about it. Like I have feelings and I have a heart. So I think it's been, it's been cool to like show people. And when people listen to it, they're like, oh, I never really thought of that aspect of being an athlete. Like, you know, everybody glorizes it. Like as this amazing experience. And like, we have all these benefits and blah, blah, blah. But like no one stops to think about like how difficult our day-to-day can be and like how we feel during injuries, you know, like you get injured and I'm like, oh, Jordan sucks. Like he's awful. How can he get injured, idiot? But like, no, like the wrong thing can happen or like you, somebody steps and you step on their ankle by accident and it's whatever. But like, I think it's been great to normalize athletes and to just make people aware that we are human beings just like everybody else. Sure. I agree. I think that's, uh, that's key. It's key. People just have to respect like that things are hard. Hey, listen, I'm being transparent, but I don't want to talk about it. I feel like a lot of people think that because we're in this prime position that we should always be able to withstand. They can't understand what they can't, or you'll choose not to. And I'm not sure what the public's obsession is with crucifying athletes for any sort of weakness. It's almost like because they've heralded us for such a long period of time, because on this part of school made us heroes, any sort of weakness, whether it's uh, infractions with the law or it's a poor performance or it's spending all your money, like all these things that everyday individuals go through, but they're not scrutinized for it. They're like, oh yeah, forgive them. But don't forgive them because they had a team of people around them to primarily help them avoid any pitfalls like this. So this is really weird. Like it's almost like we we live in, in this bubble and it's it's very hard to be ourselves, to truly be vulnerable, to truly be transparent. Because we know that we are people look at us differently. But I, I'm under the impression at least What's worked for me is when you're willing to be truly vulnerable for the public and give yourself, no one can make you feel bad for what you've decided. This is my decision. Yep. This is what I stand strongly behind. I'm living my truth. There's no way that you can make me feel bad. So say what you want, but it's like you make fun of yourself. <laughs> Almost lost you. Sit on like this, this pen. I think it's broken now. <laughs> All right, I'm good. <laughs> Um, that's so funny um that's a great meme i'll send it to you you can do what you want with it (laughs) no i it's yeah you're right with with what you're saying of we are we do get scrutinized i mean to a certain extent i do understand it because we are idols to children and to people around us so i think in certain moments that is why we kind of get a lot more scrutinized than other people but in the other way i think people are putting us on this pedestal like unknowingly and not really thinking about it again because i think we're like they're forgetting that we're human beings but when there is a moment of humanity and they're they just like bring them back down to us like they need to be us again like they can't be better than us because they made this mistake that only humans make so i think maybe that's what's going on in their head i don't really have any other answer for it uh, of course we can do it but you can't yeah you know, it's 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 such a weird thing. It's crazy, but it's it's real. That's how people, or at least in my estimation, view you are. So it's not always a bad thing, but you know, it's in moments of weakness, and because you feel like there's no grace that's ever extended to us, it's always yeah. a, it's a, it's a hammer every time. So it's yeah. Tough. And again, other factors, like I don't know if you ever watched the show Ballers, but that was really eye-opening because, I mean, for my sport, like you're not making millions, even though Google apparently has me listed as my network as 1.4 million, which I would love to see that money, but I'm not seeing it. <laughs> somewhere out there but 
again, we don't really have that experience where you go from like rags to riches. Like my friend was literally tying his, he didn't have a belt. He was tying his pants up with shoelaces and then he signed a first, uh, first round draft pick deal and he was pulling in millions and he didn't know what to do with it. And I, it was interesting to watch that where, okay, yeah, we do have a team of people that are supposed to be looking out for us, but they're supposed to be looking out for us. It doesn't mean that they're looking out for us. Like there's a lot of people that only look to themselves and how they can benefit themselves. And they're like, oh, cool. I can screw Jordan out of his money. Like, let me do it. Let me benefit from it. So I think, again, an additional factor to it of, you know, we are these athletes and people come from different situations. Some people don't have money and then we are successful and we have all these crazy opportunities. Like I never imagined being on a red carpet, getting introduced, like, having Matthew McConaughey introduce himself to me and like that's a moment where I can you know do something stupid or say something stupid because I'm completely out of my comfort zone I'm it's some athletes get trained for PR stuff some of us do not and we figure it out and we have to try the best of our abilities to be like "Mm, let me think before I speak but god forbid you say the wrong thing because you're just caught by surprise and again you're scrutinized and you're an idiot there's so many times that I've been in that situation where meeting someone and I'm nervous or Position that I'm in when I speak to an individual or being introduced to someone, and then after freaking, you know, that totally did not go the way I wanted to go. I was supposed to be commanding this conversation, and now I feel ridiculous, and that person is probably talking about me. But again, we're normal people and, you know, we some of us are getting some kind of PR, PR advice and training. Some of us aren't. Somebody, some aren't getting nearly enough. Some are better than others. But, you know, like we're in these situations that normal people like I would love to see like somebody, some guy off the street, like, you know, being thrown into an interview and being asked these questions and having to be, you know, like graceful about it of like the way I always talk about Lolo Jones when she tripped on that hurdle and they come up to her and she had to be, you know, like I just tripped and I just lost the medal. And like, all you want to do is just curse at the world, at yourself, at everyone around you. But she's like, no, you know, I tripped and uh, congrats to my competitors and just walk to walk away. Is, you think that's easy? Absolutely not. That's going to be so difficult to do. But, and again, not everybody can do it. She handled it well. Some people don't and it is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's good. We've, we've learned most, most athletes have very good emotional control. Um, yes. So, you know, I think we can handle it well. Sometimes we'll have our first, they'll show the camera in our faces where we're like, ah, we're good, not better than But I think most of us, we've gotten in positions that we're in and able to control our emotions really well, kind of compartmentalize what we're feeling. Yeah, no, it definitely helps. You're right. Whenever I talk about it, I'm like, how do we, how do we sort of like make it as athletes? Like we do have so many, so many layers to this shit that we're doing. Yeah, yeah you gotta, I think you gotta ignore critics one. Critics, trolls, negativity. Like, I just know it. Like, seriously, like, when someone posts something negative, I delete the comment and I block and they can never post any sort of negativity on my page. And it's funny because, like, I can't even imagine, like, what negative thing people are saying about you. Like, you have always been, like, one of the nicest people I've, like, encountered. And so baffles me. But, I mean, people always find something to hate on somebody else. I think, uh, I mean, I try to treat sport as if I treat it. Interacting with the people that I desire to be around, creating a circle of people that I trust, ignoring uh, negativity, embracing positive thoughts, reinforcing and encouraging, trying to pour in people around me, and then also just having a good time as much as possible. But, you know, being dialed in and focused and trying to really do so, more we can engage in trying to make our lives as cool as possible, but also understanding that we can embrace hard things and we can do really difficult stuff. 
athletically and just all right well i appreciate this so much i think this was a great conversation i think it opened people's eyes it i don't know it reminded me of what we go through and i kind of appreciate my circle of amazing athletes and amazing people like yourself thank you it's uh, a pleasure talking to you always as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.